Good afternoon. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker. Welcome to Bakes Takes Podcast. This is from a Saturday, February 27th. A uh, lot of fun. Uh, uh, between caffeine and Van Halen, I'm pretty worked up uh, again today. So here we go. Number one, uh, GameStop, a pretty elastic cat for a dead cat. Uh, number two, uh, allergic to red. I'll explain that. And number three, being right versus making money. And um, they're all germane. So here we go. Uh, why I do this, real quick, Bobby Jack, my sons, they're in their 20s. And while they were in uh, undergrad business programs, they would call me up and fire questions. Uh, I've got 30 years in, in hedge funds and mutual funds and what have you. Went through the 87 crash. And uh, so they and their friends would, would fire questions at me. You know, what's the, 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 the long bond doing? Why do I care? Uh, are stocks under or overvalued? What are the trends? What groups do you like? And I, I enjoy it. So I put it on steroids, got Mike to help me out, make me sound better than I probably am. And, uh, and I coach and I uh, uh, talk to them and I invite you to listen in. Uh, I uh, am steeped in technical analysis because that worked particularly with the timing of 87. I think it's a great timing tool. I deploy that first to attract me to do more fundamental work. It's not right or wrong. That's just the way I do it. That's my chronology. Uh, I read the things that maybe you don't want to. Barron's, The Economist, etc. Listen to dozens of podcasts. I devour newsletters. I uh, monitor what, what my Google alerts are, are uh, spitting out. And I point you to them. I always give attribution. If you don't want to do all that work, just know that I'm doing it for you and I eat home cooking. All I do is talk about the investments I have and what I'm interested in. Pretty transparent. Uh, my disclaimer, this is not investment advice. Please conduct and share your own due diligence. Huge week for a fan mail, Mike. Uh, first, uh, I got my son Bobby's text. Uh, what's going on with GME? And uh, uh, and I said last week, this is literally the chart, if you're looking at my YouTube channel, which I encourage you to do, because the visuals and the charts are very helpful in my view. Um, and this is the, the chart from last week. And I said, I, I you know, made, you know, I, uh, a, a cute remark, uh, you know, from Roaring Kitty to Dead Cat Bounce. And... Um, Dead cat bounce is a you know a crude Wall Street term that even a dead cat will bounce if it falls from a great height, and uh, when you go from 22 to 483 like GameStop did, and and then crashes down 90% to 40, that certainly qualifies as a great height. I thought that was the floor, and a bounce to 65.77 ceiling. Uh, would be it in my opinion, and I was wrong. And I'm going to try and be transparent. I'll tell you when I'm right, and I'll also tell you when I'm wrong. Now, being wrong in GameStop is not tough because this is a crazy situation. And uh, this week, uh, the the Reddit crowd talked it up, uh, uh, and it broke through the 77 uh, uh, price level that I talked about before. That's probably support now. This is so volatile; it's 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 absurd. Um, there's a gap at, at 212 that we might fill. Uh, I think that's going to be really difficult. I'll talk about that. I'm still staying away uh, on both sides. You can't borrow the stock. It would cost a fortune to borrow it, to short it. And um, uh, there's so many other things to do that don't create the, the blood pressure increase that this entails. And a question that I, I would ask all of you, uh, whether you're in GameStop or not, or maybe particularly with GameStop, are you red? And by that, I mean the Wall Street convention is green is up and, and red is down. And uh, if you're red, I want you to you know, seriously think about 
you know, what what are you doing this for? If you're doing it for, for a dopamine hit, great. You know, enjoy yourself. But if the point is to make money, then uh, I want you to become allergic to red. And uh, I'll go into that a little bit more. But um, I think GameStop is, is an unanalyzable situation. Maybe in the base from 4 to 22 when Warren Kitty wrote it up, it was a different story. I think now it's just nuts. Now, uh, the reason why I said 65 to 77 was going to be the lid was the short interest. And this is even more updated uh, I talked about uh, they mopped up the kerosene and uh, your matches don't matter and it's still going to be a great country song. I'm talking to uh, to Brad Paisley tomorrow. The um, uh, but it, you know it's plummeted. It's now down to less than thirty percent of the float, and uh, so y- y- something has to happen uh, fundamentally for, for GameStop to go up much in my view, you you don't have the short squeeze component the way you used to. And oh, by the way, on Reddit, all the hedge funds that, you know, supposedly the man they're on Reddit too. They're just hiding behind different usernames. So it's, it's not the, uh, 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 you know, the monolithic March on wall street that, that it's portrayed to be in my view. So a lot of the kerosene's mopped up. I thought uh, enough had been that we were not going to get this kind of surge, and I'm wrong, uh, but it doesn't matter because I don't own it. So um, uh, so here's my take. Uh, if you own it, I would become allergic to red. And and the uh, the goal is to, is to make money versus being right. And that's an old Ned Davis expression. Wrote a whole book on the subject, and, and, and that's it. You know, I don't care about diamond hands or any of that stuff. Uh, and you know, being right at make, in making a statement is, is irrelevant. The goal is to make money, and uh, if you see red on your screen, uh, I take losses at fifteen percent, and uh, I encourage you to find some uh, uh, rule that works for you so that you don't have big losses that demolish the portfolio. That's my humble opinion. Uh, next, the the voice memo from uh, from Murph. And then just another question for you. I know that the show often touches on Bitcoin and specifically grayscale Bitcoin trust, but was wondering some of your thoughts on Ethereum. I personally have been a longtime holder and have been super bullish on the actual technology behind it with the practical utilization of smart contracts and the idea of Ethereum being a more feasible store of value compared to Bitcoin. Wanted to hear any opinion you had on this. I know grayscale now also has an Ethereum fund too. Uh, Mike, these are the kinds of people that we're attracting. I mean, this is Murph's a pretty smart, smart fellow. Uh, great to hear your voice, Murph. Appreciate it very much. And uh, here's my bias: um, uh, the I always go chart first, and so I just my eye is likes the you know likes and liked the the grayscale Bitcoin trust, and Ethereum didn't catch my eye for you know, a host of reasons. So I just prefer the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust because of that. Um, it is still above its 50-day moving average. It paid its respects one time, almost to the penny, as we've talked about on, on a prior show. Uh, it's up 183% since we bought it. Doesn't happen very often. It's pure profit. When it doubled, I took half off the table. So what I'm left with is just pure profit, which blows my blood pressure and enables me to have more flexibility with with this this multi-year trend uh this is the crypto that companies are putting on their balance sheet 
And so a great question from Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, might be, why didn't you pick Ethereum? I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, the other point I'll make is cryptocurrency, crypto assets, whatever term you prefer, I feel should be a small percentage of your assets. I said, you know, three, five or 10 the other day, a little bit flippantly, but this should not be, uh, you know, uh, mortgage money kind of commitments. And uh, because of that, do you need two? I don't have any reason why Bitcoin is going to go away entirely and Ethereum is going to, to take over. But um, so that's my, my initial thoughts. So here's the, the Grayscale Ethereum Trust. Uh, uh, it's, it's about a fifth of the Bitcoin market cap. So it's a distant number two. Smart contracts. Murph, it sounds like you've forgotten more than I know about smart contracts and the underlying technology. Um, uh, but my, my tiebreaker is always is the chart. And here, the, the, uh, for both of them, to be fair, the volume is going up on the down days. Yes, I say this every episode, but it works for me, and I'm going to keep saying it until uh, it doesn't. Uh, so I'm watching that, but this has come down through the 50-day moving average. The volume's picked up a little bit more than, than, than Bitcoin, uh, so I'm, I'm watching it. And again, uh, I look at these charts. I went through 1,700 charts into the wee hours of the morning uh, last night. So um, I, I look at everything, hopefully with a dispassionate eye, I could change. Uh, uh, Yellen, for some reason, Yellen's statement about, about cryptocurrency uh, not being, a, uh, uh, you know, uh, I forget her exact term, but you're not being a, a, uh, an efficient source or an inefficient source for transactions, something along those lines. And uh, that's obviously you know, uh, understandable speak for a Treasury secretary. Uh, she's going to say something else next Monday, too. And Powell's going to say something on Monday after that. And there's going to be a congressional hearing on Monday after that. So just be ready for this kind of volatility. Um, I think both are probably going to work. I just prefer Bitcoin, given it's a small percentage of what I do. So that's my take. I prefer Bitcoin. It's a small percentage of, of, of the assets. And as always, I will uh, tip my hat to the chart that I prefer. And that's what led me to Bitcoin in the first place. The next um, voice memo, please. Mike. Mr. Bakes, how's it going? Thanks for taking the question. Um, as you saw in the email that I had sent you, I kind of have a few questions or topics to talk about. So just for these voice memos, I'll just try to keep them short. Um, so I know you recently talked about wanting to add some more positions to your portfolio. So I was wondering if you consider the semiconductor space at all. I personally have been intrigued by SOX, S-O-X-X, which is BlackRock Semiconductor ETF. It holds a lot of the big players in the space, just Intel, Broadcom, NVIDIA, and seems to offer a nice blend of domestic and international holdings. Obviously, looking at the chart, it's very bullish over the past year, perhaps even overextended. I was wondering some more outlook that you had in the space. I know the recent supply shortage of chips relative to super high demand in the space has been a hot topic in the news. There's some smart cookies on the show, you know. Um, okay, Murph, appreciate it. This is the iShares Philly Sox uh, ETF, SOXX, the symbol. Uh, the only negative I have, it's going to clear up trend. The only negative I have is the volume pickup on the down days. Again, here I go. And I've got red arrows that I've, I've added this time around. Uh, this could change. It's not a buy for me yet. The chip shortage is being talked about 
seems like incessantly on CNBC and I'm sure on other networks, the sector's history is that they they overshoot and and the shortage turns to glut and prices fall. Now that takes some time, but I question what is built into the expectations for uh, uh, the shortage playing out. What's built into share prices, and that's why I go uh, to the to the chart first. And this is my next point. You mentioned Nvidia, and uh, this is everyone's darling, and it might be. Uh, symptomatic of what's going on with the semiconductors overall. Everybody loves this, um, and they had blowout earnings this past week, and the stock sold off. And so when you can't earn enough to keep your your ardent fans happy, that's a sign that, that at least you have to digest your prior gains. And that's what I think is happening here. So my take is expectations are likely too high for the semis. I, I'll go through them every single month. I haven't. It's not a buy for me yet, but I'll, I'll certainly alert you uh, if things change. Next, please, Mike. And then just one final question. Sorry about all these questions, but I know I've asked you about ICLN before, which is BlackRock's clean energy ETF. And I know you broke down the technicals then and said you believed it was overextended, which you seem to be spot on about. But recently, it's definitely seen some pullback, especially this past week. Um, the chart below, which I included in my email to you, shows a massive drop on huge volume. I was wondering if you could help me decipher some of this and if you still believe this is overextended despite relatively flat trading since your last time you addressed it and now with the recent pullback. Um, this is more of a long-term play for me anyway, so not really overly concerned with the bumps along the way, but just curious to hear your outlook. Uh, Murph, love it. And uh, I love, uh, thanks for the shout out for the prior call. And uh, I I want to have a lot more of this because this is where I, I think I can really bring something to bear here. Because uh, your eye about charts is getting better with every you know, interaction that you and I have. This is the iShares S&P Global Clean Energy. That's a mouthful. ICLN. And it's, you know, uh, wind and solar. It's a Biden uh, uh, beneficiary. And um, as you can see on the red uh, arrows that I've drawn here inexpertly, but here we go. You had this big breakout at the start of the year. Um, uh, and uh, 23 million shares traded. That's way above, above normal. And uh, you have a gap up, which suggests that I drew an arrow there as well. You, you've got such uh, a pre-open buying demand that the, the, the price of the ETF leaps and, and creates a gap on the chart. It's a very bullish sign and, uh, uh, and, and, and clearly uh, acted really, really well. Uh, uh, since then, uh, so you have, and I drew another line here, 2420 is support. And we've come down after that extended move to to uh, you know pay respects to the to the the support level. Uh, I drew the other arrow here. Yeah, it's a it's a, a pretty uh, high volume down day. 16 million shares. That's above normal. But then uh, a, a subtlety which uh, is telling is that it closed at the high for the day. That's the upper right arrow that I show there. And so when you uh, when the market drills down a uh, uh, a sector in this case clean energy, but then by the end of the day, the last half hour or so, cooler heads, stronger hands, whatever you want to use, uh, they want to own the shares at around the support level and higher, and it closes at the high. Pretty bullish sign. 
So uh, I think for the long term, you're okay. So my take is, I think it's a decent entry point for ICLN. Uh, Murph sent me a text. He's he's all over me this week. God bless him. Uh, asked about uh, DBA, which is a the Invesco Agriculture ETF, uh, uh, and I said in response to him, I already have a lot of agriculture exposure via TAGS, T-A-G-S, the Tucrium uh, Agriculture ETF. And he says, you know, is this a recession play uh, and does it act inverse to the market? And I'll say this is not a recession play. I think that, if anything, the economy is is, is heating up pretty dramatically and, and for very you know solid reasons. So I don't think it's a recession play. Um, I do think that it moves somewhat to the inverse of the rest of the market um, because I think it's coming out of a multi-year downtrend and much of the rest of the market, i.e. the FANG stocks, etc., has enjoyed uh, serious multiple expansion because of, of, of the lowering of interest rates of the Federal Reserve. And um, the first time, whenever you ask me a question, I go to the chart first, which is here. And then the next thing I do is go to the fact sheet, which I encourage you to do. And what it turns out is that this agriculture ETF, the, the, um, uh, the DBA, is much broader. It not only has corn, wheat, soybeans, and sugar, like Tucrium does, but it also has cotton, cattle, hogs. So uh, it's it's a very broad-based ETF, which is okay. It's just that my eye didn't get drawn to that uh, uh, the way it occurred with tags. Now, and this is one of the, I think, the benefits of, 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 of letting charts guide you to a large extent. Uh, I prefer tags. And um, what, it, what it turns out is that it, it's 25% corn, soybean, wheat, sugar. And I didn't uh, come in with a macro view because I seldom do. But what it turns out is that China uh, has to rebuild its hog herd, which we've talked about here before. And uh, corn and wheat and soybeans is what the, what the hogs eat. They were decimated by disease two years ago. Uh, I had to uh, uh, kill a lot of animals that they couldn't consume. And the, this ETS has more exposure to that dynamic. It's smaller, uh, which I like as an individual investor, where you have a less liquid alternative uh, ETF, where if you have new buying interest, it can move the price up uh, more than it might otherwise occur. And then, as luck would have it this week in my, in my pile that I, I tweeted out uh, that I was reading into the wee hours, AgWeb had a story. Uh, can you move that up, Mike, please? Uh, by John Sheave. And uh, this is astonishing. China may import 40% more corn than in the last 60 years combined. That's a monstrous, monstrous dynamic number. And, uh, you know, clearly... Uh, that's going to benefit uh, corn, wheat, soybeans, uh, a tremendous, I mean, in this case, corn, but it points to the, 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 uh, the larger story that, that uh, China is driving a lot of demand for this commodity and others. So my take is uh, recession is not a risk right now. Inflation is, and um, uh, we're seeing commodity after commodity acting just like this. And benefiting from from China demand and and, and global economic activity, 
And I like tags more than DBA for right now. And I'm going to stick with that. So that gives me pretty good exposure to, to agriculture. And I just put this in uh, this section just because it, it plays into this. Bonds are sniffing this out. And uh, when, when bond yields were half or less than half of what they were, I indelicately said that bonds suck. And I, I put that out several times. And uh, the only question is how negative this becomes. Uh, it's a, a sport on, on, on CNBC to dismiss the rise in bond yields, saying it's for good reasons, the economy strengthening. And I say, okay, but it's just a question of how negative it is for stocks. You can't make it a positive for stocks to have competitive from risk-free treasuries going up. I think that's, you can have stocks go up, but you can't say that it's a positive that uh, that that interest rates are, are, are rising. And yes, this is the long end of the curve. And yes, the Fed isn't going to do anything on the short end of the curve. But uh, I, I just think that the the bond market is 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 uh, very sensitive and it's it's re it is reading the or analyzing the charts that I am and seeing oil copper etc going north and it's adjusting uh, the yields accordingly so here's my take uh, bonds are reversing years 40 years of appreciation and to act like it's going to stop after one or two I just think is is hard to imagine. And so um, uh, stay tuned. I'm going to be watching bonds like a hawk, but I, uh, I'm, short th- I'm short them via the TBF uh, ETF. And I think that um, uh, so far it's working and I think it's going to continue to work. Bobby uh, sent along a chart to me, my son, um, uh, about the Buffett indicator. And this gets a lot of, uh, a lot of play. And it's basically stock valuation versus, versus you know, stock market cap versus uh, GDP. And... Uh, you, 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 it's a, a uh, uh, imprecise timing tool, but you, you know we are where we are. We're past the 99 and, and, and 2000 valuation peaks, and the retort is going to be, well, interest rates are so low that adjust for it. But if you look at the chart, it's, it's pretty telling that uh, it, it's hard to make a case that, that bonds, that, that stocks are, are uh, inexpensive. And, and that we have a lot of upside. We can make money in stock. I just think you have to know, uh, sort of like the old mall uh, maps, you know, you are here. This is where we are. Stocks are expensive, period, end of discussion. And I think it's why bonds matter. And as, as bonds become uh, uh, better competition for capital, you're going to see valuations come in. And we're starting to see that already. It isn't cataclysmic, doesn't have to be, but... Acting like this is this is the uh, uh, a bear market trough. It is not. It is we're we're at elevated levels. So my take is valuations are poor, and they can't handle rates going up much more. Uh, that's my view. I'm watching the 200-day moving average, which is that's part of my sell discipline, which I think I'm going to revisit because I think everybody talks about how to buy stocks, how to buy ETFs, but I think selling is is it's obviously half the equation it gets short shrift and i think i've got a system that is dispassionate that works pretty well and uh, we'll deploy it uh, uh, at some point down the road this is from james van Deventer, a uh, great fan of the show uh bakes like the show from the weekend especially your comment about bitcoin showing up on on uh, treasury balance sheets uh thinks it's still a clear supply demand imbalance at least for now i agree 
Uh, curious what you think about emerging markets, EEM specifically, uh, making new multi-year highs right now. Uh, will a th- with a theoretically weaker dollar, would that have fuel to the fire? Uh, and then asked about uh, what do you think of the reversal yesterday, I think, of the broader stock market, the NASDAQ in particular. This was Monday. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, some of these AM prices and growth seem ridiculous. Good stuff as always. James, uh, James, thank you. Um, uh, and I responded to him right away, as I will to, to many of you if I can and I have the time. Um, and I wrote down that the EEM uptrend appears intact. And then last night, I went through all the charts. It's, uh, it's rolling over a bit. It's come through the, down through the 50-day. The volume is picking up. Uh, it's not a fresh money buy for me. Uh, uh, if you hold it, I would, I would watch the tune today. Um, as far as the reversal, if you mean the overall market of the NASDAQ, I think you have to thank the 50-day moving average. Uh, it came down and, and, and touched that and rebounded. And Powell, uh, Chairman Powell, uh, after you know, was giving a, a testimony, he says he thinks there's no inflation above 2% for three years. And I want to buy him a chart book uh, or, or, or get him on the show. Uh, he's looking at different charts than I am. I don't understand it. Uh, I think he's sincere, but I, 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 don't, I don't understand what he's looking at. I really don't. Um, and he doesn't care what Bakes thinks. But, uh, you know, I, the, I shorted the 20-plus year Treasury via the TBF because I can see what's going on. Uh, the Fed can influence the short end. They can't do much about the long end. So 20 years plus, the, the, the Federal Reserve doesn't do much of anything. So uh, appreciate the question. I hope that's helpful. Next, I have the, the EEM chart. I've kind of reversed the, the chronology here. Sorry about that. But uh, this is a big volume pickup on, uh, on the EEM. Uh, and this could be, you know, reverse to the upside. But if it does, I want to see the volume pick up. I want to see a new base develop here and before I touch this. And so uh, you bring up another point, James, and here's my take. Uh, macro is very tough to do, meaning uh, I have never been good. Maybe some people are, but for me to say that, that uh, I believe interest rates are going to do this, so the dollar will do this, and that emerging markets will benefit, that hasn't worked for me. It, what has worked is I go through my, my you know, 1,700 charts, and I see something going on in a sector or a country or a theme that, that invites fundamental analysis, that has worked. So it's a bit of a subtlety. Uh, uh, you know, I don't uh, have a PhD in econometrics, and I don't, but I can read a chart, and it, it just it, it works. So uh, I'm not going to buy EEM anytime soon. And, uh, and I didn't find any other emerging markets ETFs over the weekend to, uh, to get me excited. So, uh, and do me a favor, everybody, please share this with your, your Robin Hood friends, your Reddit friends, your Wall Street Bets friends, or anybody, uh, and, and send stocks ideas like we just talked about, and I'll offer my strategy for them. If you think I add value, uh, please stay tuned, and I, I really appreciate your feedback, so keep it coming. Thanks. Next segment is my themes and groups. And I keep my feet to the fire. And here it is. Uh, here's my portfolio. And um, uh, it's up 12.89% year to date. Uh, and the S&P is uh, up less than two. So that's not bad. That's not bad. I'll take it. 
uh, and I, I bring up a point because I'm, I'm, I'm consistent. There's no red. The, there's red on the on the on the, on the on the daily, but from inception, everything's green, and certainly nothing's down more than fifteen percent. And I, I really encourage you to adopt this. It's just math that if you cut your losses and let your winners run, good things happen. And we've all done it. We've all had an idea that we thought was surefire, and it goes down fifteen percent, and you say, oh, okay, it's going to bounce, and then it's down thirty, and then it's down fifty. And then you're saying, well, uh, I'll sell it when it gets back to break even. Now you have to have a double for it to break even, and that doesn't happen. So I just find that if you keep your losses to 15%, that it's uh, about as optimized as I've been able to find so that you're not trading all over, over, over the place every time. I can find 20% winners to make up for my 15% losers. You know, I clearly. So uh, I invite you to a- adopt that. You won't because it's tough to do. Uh, it's it's a muscle that you need to exercise. But I really recommend it highly. Get allergic to red, and um, I hope that helps. So Yolo is um, uh, uh, up eighty three percent. This is the advisors uh, pure cannabis. This is an active ETF uh, uh, managed by um, I forget his name now. Uh, and here my thesis is, is simple and intact. States need revenues. And so instead of raising taxes on wealthy people and sending them to Austin and Miami, they can allow cannabis, have formularies, and, and, and bring in tax revenue relatively painlessly. And so this trend is intact for a long time in my view. And I'll alert you when, it's, when, it's, when there's a dent in the thesis. I don't see it now. North Shore Global Uranium, URNM, that's up 75% since we bought it back in July of last year. I mentioned I'm bullish on uranium, right, Mike? Okay. He's nodding, by the way. Um, and I think this has years to go, and I think it's, it's very, very straightforward. Uh, the, the Fukushima accident occurred 10 years ago, and all the things you would think would happen happened. Demand uh, plummets, nuclear plants uh, get shuttered, and uh, 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 supplies uh, swamps demand for a foreseeable for the foreseeable future. That's all reversed. Now it's time. Nuclear energy is growing, uh, and and um, uh, the, the mines have not been as productive as they need to be. You need higher prices to induce people to get this out of the ground, and it is happening. So. Uh, I'm as excited about uranium as I've ever been. My next is the the Global X video game esports ETF Hero. That's up 27% since we bought it. Uh, those aren't year to dates. That's just since we bought it. So it's a little bit different. Um, and this plays into the GameStop phenomenon. The 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 stocks that are are propelling this higher, they're all subscription streaming services. And uh, uh, almost all of them are. And so, uh, you know, again, I mentioned last week, you know, could uh, GameStop announce that a SPAC has merged them with Epic and they're now a digital gaming play? I mean, that's I say that tongue in cheek. I don't know anything about, you know, either of those businesses, really. Uh, but 
I, I don't understand how GameStop can become a, a, a digital player. I'm sure people are working on it, but uh, something has to happen to justify the, the valuations that GameStop is is commanding right now. Next is Copper, Global X Copper Miners. And, and this plays into my, my Powell comments. I mean, commodity after commodity after commodity is going up and a lot. It's up 26% since we bought it. Uh, this is a low-volume pullback, and... Uh, this is the best economist I've ever found. The economy is expanding. Housing, autos, especially electric vehicles, uh, need a lot of copper. And um, uh, I think this continues for a long, long time. Next is the Amplified Transformational Data, the Block BLOK, aptly uh, uh, you know, titled ETF. Uh, up 16%. These are all the sort of uh picks and axes play for for blockchain microstrategy is in here squares in here for example and this pullback to me uh uh you know looks very reasonable the volume has picked up but not monstrously so and it's in a clear uptrend as far as i'm concerned and i'm going to stay there for for a while so here's my take i like my etfs i'm watching the 200 day moving average and i'm not delusional i know this market is not cheap and uh, and I'm not going to argue uh, if if things start slicing through the 200-day moving averages, the the sell tickets are coming out. But we're a long ways from there right now. Next podcast of the week. Uh, this is a new favorite of mine. I think I've been talking about this ever since I got turned on to it. Uh, this is on the tape with Guy Adami, Dan Nathan, Dan Moses, and a, a guy in particular I, I just relate to. Uh, at 20 minutes, he echoed what I talked about last week, that the economy could be doing great, but stocks don't have to do great. And uh, it's, it's a little tough for, for relatively new investors to get their, their arms around or their, their head around uh, this cognitive dissonance. It, it seems uh, illogical, but we've been discounting, stocks have been discounting for the past year what we're seeing right now. All the things I just talked about, copper demand screaming, China demand for agriculture screaming, the recovery, the uptick in, in, uh, uh, in interest rates. Here we are. And so now uh, buying the rumors, selling the news occurs. And I just want you to be aware of that. It's going to be tougher to make money from here, in my view. So my take is the economy is not the stock market. Don't be distracted by the, the, the headlines of jobless claims and all these things. The point is to make money. And look at your stocks, your themes, your ETFs, and and make sure that uh, uh, you know they're behaving the way you want them to behave. Uh, next uh, podcast is the pivot with uh, Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. And at 49 minutes, and I know I don't talk about individual names, I bring this up because these are uh, you know probably in a lot of port- of your portfolios and Prof G has had some really good predictions, and I was just fascinated by this. Uh, he thinks that Goldman Sachs could face an activist in the near term. Sounds like he knows something. Uh, it's underperformed. I don't think it underperformed that much that someone's going to go in and shake up arguably one of the most uh, respected investment banks in the, in the planet. Uh, he uh, suggests they go subscription, meaning you give uh, ongoing investment advice as opposed to swooping in for uh, a, a, a fee and a transaction, uh, you know, a merger or an IPO or what have you. Um, and he thinks they should buy public. Now, public, uh, and I'd love to get your feedback, anybody who's using this, this is 
touted by Prof G, because he's an investor, which he discloses and I disclose, uh, is sort of a more responsible Robin Hood. Uh, less gamification, more education, and uh, he thinks it would be a, a great way for Goldman Sachs to go down market to a certain extent. We'll see what happens. Um, and he, Next, he thinks Twitter should buy CNN, which I think would be fascinating. He, makes out, he lays out a very compelling case, uh, and he's also one that predicted that Twitter would go subscription and the stock's up uh, above the 70 mark that he predicted given uh, uh, their move in that regard. So something to pay attention to if you own those stocks. I just throw it out there for you. His prediction, my take is his predictions have been pretty good. Next, charts, tweets of the week. Uh, this is John Quakes, who's, who's all over uranium on Twitter, and I recommend that you follow him. Uh, Mike Alkin, I also follow. He's the advisor to URNM, the ETF I just mentioned, uh, and uh, you know, put some pretty compelling uranium math out there. Uh, nuclear fuel demands about 200 million pounds a year for the next uh, 10 years, uh, but at, at, at under 33 a pound on spot, only 40, 40% of that demand is going to be met. Uh, and COVID has knocked down that supply as well. So uh, he makes a very compelling case that you've got to, we're at 29 right now, you've got to have a double in the uranium price to, to induce all the companies we own in URNM to mine more and produce more uranium. And if you take the fixed cost, you put a double on the revenue line and then some, and, and bring that through the income statement, you're going to see earnings explode here for, for several years. And we're just getting started. So um, I just put that out there for, for your review. Uh, next is another one from John Quakes, uh, re- uh, referring to a Bank of America uh, report. I didn't know Bank of America even covered uranium, but apparently they do. Uh, uh, Biden's platform is embracing uh, nuclear energy Uh, And this could delay uh, reactor closures. They're going to expand the life potentially up to 100 years for reactor licenses. And this could add 26 million pounds to the global demand for uranium that we talked about before. So that's, you know, 15 percent, let's call it. Uh, The the bullish uh, points for uranium just keep piling up keep piling up and I'm looking for negatives too I'm not I don't have confirmation bias but uh, you know I I, I, uh, I see what I see and um, uranium's got a, a, a good uh, number of years and this the next uh, tweet uh, really points to that this gives you some frame of reference so um, uh, John Quakes was asked about the comparison of the timeline of the last uranium bull market. Uh, he thinks it started around February 2003 when uranium was around $10 a pound. It bottomed at 18 or so this time around. Uh, last time had a four and a half year run to 140 bucks a pound in 2007. So, you know, will that happen exactly? Probably not. But we're in inning three, perhaps two or three of this ball game. And uh, uh, it's going to be exciting to watch, and I hope you're here with me for the to participate. All right, that's the show. Please also subscribe to my Bakes, to- Bakes Takes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. 
Please follow us on Twitter at BakesTakes underscore and other social media. Please, please use your voice memo app. Murph, thanks a lot. Uh, tape your questions and email to bakes at bakestakespodcast.com or write in if you'd prefer. I'll keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Thank you as always, Mike. Have a great week. This is Bakes. I've got two for you. This is the uh, Adam and the Metal Hawks band. If you've seen them on TikTok, it's, it's, I think it's great. Uh, guys with uh, blue salad bowls getting whacked over the head playing guitars. Uh, and But the guy can sing. He sings Sweet Child of Mine, uh, Guns N' Roses, and I think it's fabulous. So uh, made me smile. I hope it makes you smile. And then uh, Brian Regan, um, uh, he nor I thinks that Pop-Tarts should have directions. And I hope you get a chuckle out of that as well. See you next week. Take care now. Bye.